John chapter 14. That's where we're actually going to begin today. John chapter 14. I wanted to go back and uh, continue on what we started last week and the thought that we had about why we need sovereign grace. I mentioned last week that, uh, you know, we, we call our church Sovereign Grace Baptist Church and we preach about sovereign grace. We call ourselves sovereign grace people, sovereign gracers or whatever. You know, we're not a denomination. We're not affiliated with any denomination of sovereign grace denominations or associations. We don't affiliate with anything like that, but we call ourselves sovereign grace. Sovereign grace people. <clears throat> but why is that? Why do we make so much emphasis on sovereign grace? And well, one of the things I mentioned last week is that uh, I believe that sovereign grace, number one, is the gospel. It's God who has and is the only person who has free will. God, who is sovereign, bestows grace on who he wants to bestow grace upon. And whenever he gives that grace, that grace is irresistible. Uh, we don't resist that grace. Um and the reason because of that is because God does and complete change to who we are by removing, as Ezekiel says, the remo- removing the heart of stone and putting in a heart of flesh, taking out the heart that is dead in trespasses and sins and puts in a heart of flesh that now is a spiritual heart that can feel and to hear and to see and to understand and to receive spiritual things, okay? So, uh, and of course, we're not talking about a physical, you know, muscle that beats, pumps blood. We're talking about uh, who we are inwardly, our life. We have a new creation that is born within us. The Spirit of God is in us. I mean, the actual Spirit of God is in the child of grace. It's not just something we say, just these fanciful things. And God puts that spirit in us without asking us, without change. You know, because every person, as I mentioned last week, every person would continue to resist God, resist the Holy Spirit, to kick against the pricks, to do all these things. As, as Paul, you know, whenever Jesus came to Paul and on the road to Damascus and say, you know, why you know, why do you kick against the pricks? What's he saying? Why do you continue to reject me? Why do you continue to refuse? Why do you continue to uh, 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 kick against the uh, uh, things that you know in your heart? You know, why? Because Paul had been given spiritual life. And now, now uh, yeah. Jesus was going to convert, going to turn Paul. And give him faith, give him repentance, and he did on the road there. He repented and turned as he meant, as he gives us that account. He said, "You know the things that I thought were gain, now I count as loss. The things that I thought were wonderful and great and mighty, I count them now as dumb." Why? Paul had a change of heart. Paul was given repentance. Paul was given faith. He didn't have that until the Lord gave it to him in his time. That was sovereign grace. And some people look at that, especially people who worship free will, um, they look at that and say, well, you know, God just, you know, forced him to be a Christian. That ain't love. You mean to tell me that that's not love? (laughs) You who by nature would never, can never believe, repent, come to Christ. By nature, you cannot do those things. And God gives you the ability to do what you cannot do. And you say, that's not love. That is love. Love is being given the mercy of God, the grace of God that we don't deserve and that we could never have done on our own. In mercy, God gives us something. That's not God cramming something down our throat and us, after we get it, say, wow, you give it to me, but I don't like it. You know, I didn't ask for it. No, 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 no. And the child of grace never has that mindset because they know that apart from him doing that, him irresistibly doing that, we know who we are. We we would never have come. We never would, would come to Christ. 
That's why Jesus said, you know, you will not come to me that you might have life. Why did he say that? Was he saying that just to say that? No, he said that because he knew that the natural man will never come to Christ. You will not come to me. The Pharisees will not come to me. Why? Because number two things that he knows about these guys. Number one, that and we're going to see this today, they are the children of the devil. They are the seed of the devil, not the seed of Christ. And second of all, being the seed of the devil, they have a nature that will not, cannot come to him because they are at enmity with this God. They are at enmity with this gospel. And so they will never come. The flesh will never come to Christ. And so they have that inability. We, as the children of God, we are born with that inability because we are of the same nature in Adam <coughs> as the children of Satan. But yet, Christ gives us that new birth from above. Which we're going to talk about that this morning. But let's start with John chapter 14 and verse 17. And we're going to continue on in this thought of why do we need sovereign grace? Why do we preach sovereign grace? Why is it so important to us? And it's because without sovereign grace, there is no salvation. Without God sovereignly saving you. Meaning that your salvation wasn't a choice that you made, wasn't an offer that God gave to you, wasn't a decision that you made in time, wasn't a choice. Salvation was something that God did on your behalf apart from you because you never would have chosen. Salvation was something God did for you to save you from sin and death. And so he did that. By grace, he did that and gave it to you in mercy. Uh, he showed mercy upon us. And so we need sovereign grace because without that, then we're left without grace, without mercy. We're left without salvation. There is no salvation apart from grace. Salvation is only by grace. And so people that are out there preaching, and, I, and you know, I, I, I was once one of them. I used to preach this, so I know... <laughs> The mindset that I had, you know, that's all I could see. That's all I understood. Until God grants that repentance to turn from that false gospel. We are ingrained in that religious activity. And I was, you know, hey, we have, God has to give us free will. That's how he made us. You know, he made us with this mind, emotion, and will in his image. And that we have free agency. Even a lot of the sovereign grace Baptists in some of their confessions say that man's given free agency. We don't have free will, but we have free agency. Well, that What does that mean? What's the difference in that? Well, one, the free agency is that men are free to act according to their nature. Well, brethren, we have this nature of Adam until the day that we die. We have the flesh until the day that we die. And that flesh is corrupt. The only thing that makes us different apart from everybody else is the Spirit of God that is in us. And that Spirit, we don't control that. We don't control what they do. So we don't have a will according to nature. Okay, we make choices, yes. We have a will and a desire to do stuff, yes. But that's all controlled by God. Every bit of it is controlled by God. And so... My nature, and of course, some are going to say, well, what about the nature? Uh, what about, about your desire to sin? Does God control that? Yes. <clears throat> God controls that too. God can keep me from sinning. Or he can withhold his uh, his his uh, mercy and let me be, let me and my flesh be tempted by my own lusts and sin. Now, God doesn't do that. Tempting. But he surely does control who sins and who doesn't sin, when and when, how he desires for his purposes to bring forth his uh, his predestinated uh, plan. And so, um, that's for another sermon, though. Uh, but yes, sovereign grace is extremely important because without it, we would never, ever be saved. And so last week we seen, and I talked about, that uh, we need sovereign grace because without it, we don't have 
the mind to understand God. We don't have the mind to search out God. We don't have the ability to uh, see spiritual things, to know spiritual things, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we don't have the ability to uh, uh, to uh, do the things that that uh, uh, that uh, uh, repentance and faith and all those types of things. We don't have that ability, and uh, we don't have the ability to uh, direct our own steps. You know, God has to direct our steps. Uh, and everything. So we need sovereign grace for everything. So today I would like to continue on in those, those thoughts on some things on why we need sovereign grace. Uh, and today in John chapter 14 and verse 17, that's where we're going to be at first. <clears throat> John chapter uh, 14 and verse 17. Actually, um, I'm going to back up to verse 16 so you can get the context who and what is being talked about here. Now remember, this chapter 14 is where Jesus is talking to his disciples and explaining to them about him uh, after his crucifixion and him going away uh, uh, to, uh, to, to go back to heaven or go back to his abode with, uh, in, in heaven. Uh, he is uh, speaking about sending the comforter. If I go away, I'll send another comforter. That's where we're at. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. See what he said there? The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Okay? So Jesus is teaching them here that the spirit of truth is not something that the world can receive, but those who have the spirit of God can receive these things. Okay? Um, the people of God receive or have the spirit of God in them because uh, they are his people. And the seed of, of, of Satan, they're they're never going to have that. And so, why do we need sovereign grace? Because without God giving us His Spirit, we would never receive the Spirit for ourselves, to ourselves. We would never be able to get the Spirit of God in us, much less the Spirit of truth. Not, not talking exactly the Spirit Himself, but the ability to perceive truth, to know truth. Okay, and we only perceive and know truth by the Spirit of Truth, which is the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we would never be able to do that if sovereign grace wasn't given to us. God gives us the Spirit, uh, and, and we are able to, once He gives us the Spirit, to discern spiritual truth. And so here we see Jesus saying, "Hey, you can't." You can't receive the spirit of truth unless it's given to you, unless the spirit is in you. Then you can receive uh, and understand God's word. And so that's another thing that we need sovereign grace for, so that we can be able to perceive spiritual truth. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 8. And look with me if you would. I'm going to back up to verse 42, but I'm, I'm really wanting to look down around verse 46 and 47. I mean, excuse me, uh, 45 and 47. But let's go back to 42. It says, Jesus said unto him, now again, we're, he, Jesus is speaking here, and he's talking uh, to a crowd of people and specifically to these Pharisees. He says, Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me. Now, the reason Jesus is addressing this this way is because these Pharisees uh, are appealing to the fact that they are children of Abraham. Therefore, they don't lack anything. Uh, they were not born of fornication, is what they said in verse 41. Uh, but they, uh, they appeal, verse 33, 
we be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Uh, and then later they said in verse 41, We be born of fornication. We have one Father, even God. Okay? So they're appealing to the fact that, hey, we are children of Israel. Uh, we are the children of Abraham. We are... Uh, God's people, so we don't have any need for anything. You know, we're His people. We're, we're chosen because we are His people. And Jesus here is laying the claim that it's not a spiritual lineage, or excuse me, not a physical lineage that makes them God's people. It's a spiritual lineage. Okay, that remember we've talked about that before. There's a physical lineage of Abraham, there's a spiritual lineage of Abraham. And whenever we speak of that, we're speaking about the children of God. Okay, There's a physical people of God that God chose these people in a physical way to show forth some things in the Old Testament. But yet there is a spiritual people made up of people not only from Israel, but from every language, tribe, and tongue. That's the true Israel. That's the true uh, Jew. That's the true uh, uh, child of God is the one who is the child by faith in the Spirit, okay? That's who the true children of God are. And Jesus here is saying that. He said, If God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? So Jesus now is going to say, you know, I'm saying all this stuff, and you want to know why you don't understand what I'm talking about? Now, I want before I get into this, brother, we've talked about this before. You've heard me preach on these things before. But for the sake of us all needing to hear it again, and those that may be watching and listening, <clears throat> this is Jesus himself. This is not an opinion of mine. It's not a theology that I seem to maybe follow. Okay, it's not a uh, it's not a denominational thing. It's not a uh, uh, a seminary uh, pushed idea. Okay, I've never been to seminary, so that doesn't make any you know uh, any sway with me at all. It's it's not um, it's not just some fanciful thing that we're trying to hold to to keep up our end of the uh, you know sovereign grace belief. This is coming from God's Word. This was actually being said from the lips of Jesus at the time. Okay? He says, Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? See, Jesus again draws us back to an ability. They did not have a physical Ability? No, they had a physical ability. They were listening to him. They were responding to him. The things he was saying, they were saying things back to him. It's not talking about a physical ability. It's talking about a spiritual hearing. They cannot hear him in a spiritual way. He just, They do not perceive and understand spiritual truths. And he said, you cannot hear my word. You don't have the ability to spiritually discern what I am talking about. You're looking at things on a physical level. You're looking at things on a wooden literal level. You're looking at things as far as the carnal mind perceives them, but you're not understanding these things spiritually. If you were of God, if you were of my Father, if you actually love my Father, which the only reason we love God is because he first loved us. So if the love of God was in them, causing them to love him, then if the love of God, which is the spirit of God in us, if the love of God was in them, then they would understand these things because they would have spiritual perception, spiritual ability to receive spiritual truth, understand spiritual truth, be taught spiritual truth. But they do not have that ability there. A good example of this, okay? A good example of this is going to be a sore subject for one of the people here in, in this room. My son has a computer. 
and this computer he spent a lot of money on to build. There is Wi-Fi in this house. And everyone in this house has a phone that can connect to that Wi-Fi. We have gaming devices that can connect to that Wi-Fi and understand the signals that it's sending. Pick it up, translate it to our screen. Okay? We can do that. However, my son, his computer, it has an antenna to receive Wi-Fi signal, but he can't get internet. He can't get nothing on there. It's not working. He doesn't have the ability to get on the internet. He's got an antenna. Why can't he get on there? Because there's something internally that's not there that causes a reception of those Wi-Fi signals. However, everybody else in here has something that is able to receive because they have not only an antenna, ears, but they have ears to hear. That's why Jesus said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He wasn't just saying whoever has ears, you can hear. He's talking about there has to be something internalized. There has to be something inside that receives those things more than another. Is the Wi-Fi signals hitting that antenna? Absolutely they are. Are they actually going into the computer and causing anything? Yes, they are. It shows up down there that he can see all the Wi-Fi signal in the house. However, he can't get on the internet because something internally is not there that allows to take that and to be able to process that into the truth of what is being sent to it and display that in reality. Same thing with, with us. us. Hope that that illustration is good in the fact that God's Spirit speaks, the Bible speaks, and teaches His people. A preacher preaches, and people hear but without the Spirit inside of us to take the what's being brought in through the physical and then to make in the understanding of it in the spiritual, all we have is noise bombarding us. That antenna, it has Wi-Fi signals bombarding it, and it's hearing those signals, but it can't translate those signals. The Spirit translates the truth of God to our heart, to our mind. Without the Spirit of God in us, then we cannot perceive truth. That's an ability, a spiritual ability. And that ability only comes when God gives grace. That's why we need sovereign grace. Because without sovereign grace, all we have is noise penetrating our ears and natural mind trying to decipher it. And not something actually really explaining this is what this means. This is what this is about. This is the truth. And so this is what Jesus is saying. This is what we just read. Okay? We don't have the spirit of truth. We cannot, without the spirit of truth in us, we cannot receive and perceive the things of the spirit. And Jesus says, says right here, Why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot Hear my word. And then he goes on to explain that. Why can't they understand his word? He said, ye are of your father, the devil. So here we see there's a father that has people that cannot hear. And then there's a father that has people that can hear. There's the father or the progenitor, the, the, uh, the, the lead, the head, the representative, well, representative may not be the right word, but um, the uh, the father is the devil, and he has his children. And then we have Christ, and he has his children. The devil's children has the inability, inability to hear. Now, brethren, we, by nature, are just like these people, and in the flesh have that same inability However, for the child of grace, the only difference comes that God gives us grace and the new spirit in us 
to hear. Now we are unlike these people because now we are being taught of God because the Spirit of God is in us and God gives that to us in His appointed time whenever He does that. God gives that to us and whenever He does, that there is a separating of these people and these people showing forth, manifesting the children of God. Now, Hold your finger right there, and I'll show you, and I didn't think about this early, earlier until now. I think this relates back to one of our favorite verses that we always go to, and that's in Second uh, Timothy. Chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace. See, there's that grace that we've been talking about. Why do we need sovereign grace? According to his purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So we were saved eternally by God's choosing us. That election, that calling, that's that, that's that separating us. That sanctification. We've been set apart as Christ. Okay? We've been given to Him, set apart and given to Him. And we've been... Um, Saved in the fact that we have been given before the foundation of the world in God's purpose, the place of, as children of God, that whenever we come into existence, whenever we come into this world, we come in in the nature of Adam. We come in as children of Adam. But God, because he has saved us, sanctified us, set us apart, called us with that holy calling to himself as his people before the foundation of the world, that in time we receive all the benefits. And even though we are of the same lump of Adam, we have been made a vessel of honor. And as a vessel of honor, God shows forth those blessings that he has given to us by granting us that new heart, by granting us faith, repentance, so that we might believe the gospel, that we might believe upon him, that we might love him, love the brethren. These things, the fruit, are the works of God that he does in us. Those are the works of God. Those are the things that we God said that he that, he, that we, he has ordained us unto good works before the foundation of the world. That's what they are. They're not our works. They're his works. He's appointed us unto those works, but those works are his works, and they're the works that he does in us by granting us faith, repentance, love for God, love for people. And so these things he gave us before the foundation of the world, and so he did that in his purpose and his grace. But look at verse 10. But it says, But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. See, we didn't know these things. We didn't understand these things. But now they are being made manifest to us. They are being shown to us. They are being brought to light. The fact that we have life and immortality in Christ is something that we didn't know in Adam. We couldn't have ever perceived that. We would never receive that and how it took place. We thought we had to work for it. We thought we had to perform obedience to God's law to get that. We had to do certain things to get that, to be a certain level of, of religiousness to get that, okay? But God said that this is stuff that was given to us before the foundation of the world, that we were blessed with this, with all spiritual blessings, 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All this stuff was given to us before, and so now we see those things because God has given us sovereign grace. We see that because God has given us his spirit. And now what delineates us from the children of Satan is the fact that we have been blessed with these things and God is bestowing those things on us. Therefore, that shows they don't get it. You get it because I found given you my grace and you have found favor in my eyes, not by what you have done, but because I have chosen you. Remember whenever God called Noah to build the ark? The Bible says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, a lot of people, and I used to preach this too, I believe that Noah was doing all this good. He was preaching. He was a righteous man, obeyed the Lord. He loved God, and he tried. He was out there trying to obey God and to do all these things. And so because he was a righteous man, God found favor on him and chose him and his family to save out of everybody else because everybody else didn't, didn't do that. But actually it was just the opposite. Noah and his family was just like everybody else by nature. The only difference was is that Noah had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord had given him grace to be that righteous man, to be that preacher of grace, to be that kind of person. God had given him those things. And he found grace, not because of the good person that Noah was or the good man that he was or, or any righteousness in Noah. God found grace because God bestowed grace upon him. Any of us, the reason that we are that we are is because God has given us that grace. And that's what delineates us. That's what separates us. That's what manifests the differences between the children of Satan and the children of Christ. And so Jesus here is saying, the reason you don't understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word, and the reason you cannot hear my word, is because you are of your father the devil. There is no grace in you. There is no spirit of God in you. There is no truth in you. And he goes on to say that. He says, you're of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth. And uh, abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. So, there is no truth in Satan. He has no idea what truth is. Therefore, everything that he says, he thinks is true, but it's, it's not. And his children have the same understanding, are the same kind. They're just like they're of like kind to him. They perceive things and see things that they try to, by their natural mind, think that is truth, and they're and they really think that's true. It's not that oh, that's a lie. I know it's a lie, but I'm gonna, you know, I, I, I'm gonna say this and believe this and. Everything, even though I know it's not right and everything. Whenever you, have you, We know that. We've all told a lie before, and we've got caught in a lie. And then when we got caught in the lie, we double down on it, right? We're going to say, well, I, I lied about that, but so I'm going to just double in on it. And so what do we do? We make up some elaborate web of, of lies to, to hold up that one lie that we made. That's kind of where the old saying goes. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. When it, first we, or when it lasts, what? what is when it's something we first deceive, whatever it is, whenever we try to deceive, <clears throat> we double down on it. We know it's a lie, but yet now we formulate this whole story and we continue on year after year, week after week, however long it is, trying to uphold that lie. But we know. The thing is, though, to someone who doesn't know, Someone who doesn't have truth. What they do, they really think that's true, and they don't know truth. Therefore, they can't know that what they are believing is not true. I've made that mention here before. I can only know what I know. I can't know what I don't know. If I don't know it, I don't know it. Right? I can only know what God reveals to me. 
I can't know what God doesn't reveal to me. Anything that God doesn't reveal to me comes by my natural thoughts. That's why I was praying. I pray I'm not deceived. I was deceived for years of what the gospel was. But all of a sudden, boom, like, like a shining light on the Damascus Road, all of a sudden I realized, whoa, wait a minute. This is what that's saying? I've been wrong all these years. What caused the turnaround? It was that God gives sovereign grace. Not the doctrine of sovereign grace. God gave me sovereign grace. He extended grace to me and caused me to believe. He caused me to turn from what I was believing to be able to understand. You've been thinking that's been saying that all these years and it's really not been saying that. See, I was able to perceive truth because now truth was in me. See, that's what I was saying a while ago. You cannot do it because you don't have the spirit of truth. If you don't have the spirit of truth in you, you will never receive the things of truth. The spirit of truth has to be in you before you can ever know what truth is. You don't know what truth is because you are of your father the devil if you're one of his children. And yet they will never have the spirit of truth in them. Therefore, they will never understand the things of God. They will never receive the things of God because they will never have that spirit in you. But God gives you that spirit so that you can know truth. We're going to see that here in just a minute, but let's finish off this passage. He says, you are your father the devil, and the less you follow you will do. He was a murder from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. When he speaketh a lie, now does Satan lie to us knowing things are a lie? Yes. But for someone who does not have truth, they can be speaking things that they truly think are true even though they are a lie. That's why I warn you guys all the time about all these churches that are out there that is preaching another gospel. Listen, I do not doubt one bit my friends and family who believe another gospel of free will, free decision, free choice, all these things that doesn't believe sovereign grace. I don't doubt their sincerity. Any. I don't doubt their sincerity. I don't, dis- I don't doubt their love for that religious system that they are in. They truly believe that's the truth. They truly believe they are serving God. They truly believe that they are doing everything according to the scripture. Just like Paul. He was convinced that going out and gathering up those Christians and persecuting them was doing the work of God. He was convinced. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. What does that actually mean? It means, listen, I knew God's word and I walked God's word. I desired God's word. I want to be a God man. I want God in the center of my life, as the center of my life. I want to do everything according to what God wants to do. And Paul believed that was what he was doing until the truth was born in him. Until the Spirit of God was born in him, the Spirit of Truth was born in him, then he seen everything that I done, thanks were all done. That was all lies. That was all false. It was not a truth that I thought it was, but all I found out is it was just religion. It wasn't actually the things of God. And so whenever Satan speaks, he can actually tell you a lie, but he doesn't know the truth. He doesn't in himself have truth. Therefore, his children don't have truth. And he can be speaking things that are free will, free will, your choice. You can walk away. You can reject. You can not listen. You can disobey. You can do all these things. And he can give you these things. And by our own nature in Adam, we will say, that must be the truth. That's the truth. So until the spirit of truth is given to us, we're going to speak... And hear what is truly a lie, but to all of us, we think that it's the truth. He speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. So Jesus is saying, listen, I'm telling you the truth, but you're not believing it. Why is it that these people right here are believing it, 
but you're not believing it. I'm telling the truth. I was sent by God. I came from God. I am God. He's going to say that matter of fact here in just a few minutes because he's going to say, before Abraham was, I am. He claims to be God. And they don't believe it. Well, why don't they believe it? Because you are of your father, Satan. You're one of his children. And you can't discern truth. You have that inability. He says, he that is of God. Wait a minute, let me back up 4-6. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. That means he that is a child of God. He that is of God. See, you are of your father, the devil, meaning that you are born from him. You are a seed of him. And now we're not talking in physical things. You know, the devil didn't uh, lay with Eve and have a, you know, all these little devil babies. Okay. Now, some people believe that, unfortunately. Um, but that's not what happened. Okay. We're talking about the people of Satan who are the reprobate. We're talking about the people of Satan who God does not elect. Okay, these are who we're talking about. And he says, <clears throat> he that is of God or he that is born of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. You're not born of God. You're not one of his seed. You're not one of his children. His children will hear him and follow him. So then said the Jews and said unto him, Say we not that well, uh, well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. This is one that seeketh and judgeth. Uh, that seeketh and judgeth. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. So, Jesus here clearly tells them that they cannot hear, and the reason they cannot hear is because they are of the seed of Satan. Now, Jesus didn't say that. That was the only time he said that. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew. I want you, I want you to read a few of these other verses with me. To see some of the nuances and how he says these things, because we kind of see that this is a this it wasn't just a one time thing with Jesus. Therefore, we know that it's got to be more to it than just a you know Jesus. You're being a little elaborate in your you know saying, and also unless someone thinks that well, yeah, they're not of they're not of Satan. Are not of God now, but they can choose Jesus and become one of his children. Now, no, your children from the beginning, okay? Did you guys choose to be my children? No, you was of children from the very beginning, right? Before you were even born, you were my children. Okay, so you didn't have any choice in that matter. So we don't choose to be children of God. We are children of God. In Matthew chapter 23, look with me if you would, verse 15. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell, than yourselves. So here again, Jesus is equating them with being a children, a child of Satan. He's calling them a twofold child of hell. That's a reference to being a child of Satan. He says, you go out with your religion and you're trying to get all these people to, to follow after you and your gospel, so to speak, your quote-unquote gospel, and all you're doing is making twofold the child of hell. They already are because they don't believe. 
and then you are bringing them in and, and, and where they weren't even steeped in your religion, now they're going to be steeped in your religion and your false gospel. So not only were they by nature, now they're going to be by practice. The twofold child of hell. They're going to be serving a false gospel, false god. <clears throat> verse 33, he says, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? So here again, he equates him. We know that the Bible calls Satan uh, that old serpent uh, that uh, in the Garden of Eden, he was made to be as a serpent or a viper. <laughs> you know, a viper is not a car, okay? Uh, a viper is a snake, right? <clears throat> so he calls them, these men serpents and generation of vipers. And he said, how can you escape the damnation of hell? That was a rhetorical question. It wasn't, he wasn't asking them, is there a way that you can be saved from the damnation of hell? He was saying, who can save you? There is no saving you from the damnation of hell. There's no way of causing you to believe. There's no way of causing you to understand. There's no way of causing you to walk in faith. Because ye are of your father the devil, you are full of lies, just like he is. You don't understand truth. You don't have truth in you. You're a hypocrite. You are acting religious and say that you're worshiping God, and you are a hypocrite. You, you're not trying to act hypocritical, but you are hypocritical. You're trying and putting on the show of being a servant of God, but you're not. You're a servant of your father, who is the devil. Therefore, you are a hypocrite, because you're saying one thing, but you're really another. That's why Jesus said, you are a whitewashed sepulcher. You... Clean yourself up on the outside, but inside you're still full of dead men's bones. You're still full and dead in trespasses and sins. You're still the same. You can't, and that's and that's the nature of Adam. He likes to clean up the outside, but cleaning up the outside does not clean the inside. Jesus said, "It's not what you put in the mouth that causes you uh, that that causes it. It's what's inside." Okay? It's not what goes in the mouth that causes you to be unrighteous. It's what's already in there. You are unrighteousness. Therefore, you do unrighteous things. You don't know truth because there is no truth in you. Okay? Look with me, if you would, at Matthew chapter 13 and verse 38. Jesus gives a parable here in his parable of the kingdoms. And he said, look at verse 37, he said, He answered and said unto them, he had given them this parable about the kingdom of God and the sowing of the seeds. The disciples asked him, you know, hey, can you explain this to us? And he says, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Here's the son of man. man. Jesus, right. It's Jesus. The Son of Man is Jesus. He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. I tell you what, let's just go back and read the parable so you guys can understand what he's saying. Verse 31. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge and in the, black, uh, in, and in the branches thereof. Another parable, another parable spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto, uh, oh, oh, this is not the right one, hang on. I was reading the right one. Verse 18. I'm sorry. My, my fault. Verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is the uh, this is he which received seed by the wayside. 
all the way back in the first chapter. I guess I should have wrote that down. My own mind is just going. He said, He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell by the stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had, had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so they said, He that soweth the good seed, that's the one that fell on good ground and brought forth fruit, okay? He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares, those things that grew up, not being the good seed, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. Okay? The tares aren't going to change. They're going to be tares. They started as tares. They were sowed as tare seeds. They sprung up as a tare. They lived as a tear. They was reaped as a tear. And they were burned in the fire as a tear. They were a tear from the beginning. Before it was ever intended on anything else, they were a tear. Okay? Why? Because they were a seed of a tear. That seed came from the seed that was before them, that came from that was before them, that came from the original seed. It was a tear. It was always determined to be a tear. It was always a tear. It will always be a tear. And it will be consumed as a tear. Okay? But the others started out from the beginning as a seed of Christ. They were planted as a seed of Christ. They sprung up and manifested themselves as a seed of Christ. They existed as a seed of Christ. They were harvested as a seed of Christ. And they will be brought into the storehouse and kept as a seed of Christ in the end. Okay? You see, that's where that parable is teaching. It wasn't teaching how to farm and why some seeds grow and some seeds don't. The purpose of that was to understand spiritual things. That the only ones that knew were the children of the good seed and they are kept to the end and they are brought in. That's why Jesus told them that you are of your father the devil and he said who's going to save you from the damnation of hell? You were a tear, you're always going to be a tear and you will be reaped as a tear and burned as a tear. The damnation of hell was your chosen lot. That was how God purposed you. You were a, Romans 9 says, a vessel fitted unto destruction. You were a vessel of dishonor, not a vessel of honor. The purpose in you in creation was to show forth God's wrath, God's judgment, God's damnation upon that sin. Upon sin. And these God had purposed and built as his people. The purpose for them was to show forth God's mercy and grace and love and justice. Okay? That's why we need sovereign grace. Because only by sovereign grace are we in this camp and not this camp. And Jesus is teaching this by these parables. Teaching this by telling these people the reason you don't believe is because you're not my sheep. The reason you don't believe these things is because you're not of God. You're of your father the devil. See, that's why we need sovereign grace. Sovereign grace is the one who determines what our destiny is. Look with me, if you would, at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. 
We're just about done. One John chapter three, verse eight. Here's a verse that can, is uh, is uh, uh, perplexing to a lot of people. He says, "He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God, or is of God, or is a seed of God, or is a child of God." Okay, whoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, take that to heart. I'll tell you how I used to preach this. Whoever is born of God does not continue in habitual sin. But is that what that says? Is there any other scripture that can be brought in to shed light on this to let us know that that means does not commit habitual sin? There's not any. The scripture doesn't say whoever is born of God doth not commit habitual sin. Every sin that we commit is habitual because it is our habit. The habit of our Nature is sin. We have a sin nature. And the habit or the characteristic or the indulgence or the uh, or the uh, um, the obsession of that nature is to sin. Some people say we have a bent to sin. Okay, we have a compulsion to sin. Well, that's habitual. So this verse does not say that. The people that say that, why I said that, was because in my mind at the time, I didn't know truth. And in my mind at the time, I was trying to figure out, I know I did keep sinning because the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we make God out to be a liar because he says that we all sin. So I know that we still have sin, but this here says he doth not commit sin. So how can it be true that God says that we sin, but we do not commit sin? Oh, he must be talking about we don't sin habitually. Well, that doesn't get you off the hook because this says doth not commit sin. How does one not commit sin? Well, the answer to that is at the beginning of the verse. Whosoever is born of God. See, this nature is not born of God. This nature is born of Adam. It's born of the earth, earthy. It's not spiritual. It's natural. All it can do is sin. Therefore, it will sin. It will never be made holy. It will never be made righteous. It will never be made better. It will not cease more and more and more from sinning and be more and more and more holy. It will be what it will be, flesh. That which is a flesh is flesh. So what does not commit sin? That which is born of God. What is born of God? That's that life or that spirit that's in us. is born from God. And it doth not commit any sin, one sin, Period. Who we are in our spiritual person is perfect, holy, righteous. Why? Because it's from God. It's the life of God. The Bible says that that new creation that's born from above is born in true holiness and righteousness. It cannot sin. That's why Paul in Romans 7 said, that I will with my body, with my flesh, continue to obey and to serve the law of sin. I'm going to keep doing what this body can only do, sin. But in my mind, that is in the, the spirit that was born from above, I will serve the law of God. And how does one serve the law of God? you got to keep it all. The only way that you can serve the law of God is to keep every bit of it. 
and not transgress it in any. Well, the only person that can do that is Christ, right? And He's given us His Spirit. And His Spirit that is in us cannot sin. It does not commit sin. Another aspect of this is we have been imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ and His obedience. Jesus obeyed every aspect of God's law. Therefore, we who we are in the spirit man has obeyed that because that's who that's what our account says. Our account tells us that we have not sinned because Jesus did the sinning for us as our substitute. Did he actually sin? No, but every sin that I did was removed off of me and placed upon him. He died for that sin, so every sin that I committed was taken away and and was judged. Therefore, God has no more judgment for my sin because Jesus took that judgment. And so now, God can't find any sin in me. I cannot commit sin because every time I do actually sin in the flesh, that sin that I commit in the flesh was one of the sins that God took and placed upon Jesus. So God never sees sin in that spiritual person, only in the fleshly person. He doesn't see sin in the, in the spiritual man because the spiritual man is from Christ. Is Christ in us who was our obeyer? The inward man always obeys. Why? Because that's been his account. That's what's been placed on his account. Emily came in with me today and she had her insurance papers where she owed this and this and this. If you got, and she got a, got a deal saying that for some reason, she didn't owe anything in February. That every, her next payment is going to be in March. So she doesn't have to pay nothing in February. Whenever you open that up, you say, hey, I don't have to. Are you going to go try to pay February's bill after they told you you don't have to? Are you going to pay them anyway? No. <laughs> if, if your creditor, who you owe money to, if you're a debtor to this person, and then they come and say, guess what? You don't owe anything. It's all been taken care of. Are you going to say, oh, well, I still want to pay you anyway? Heck no. We're going, to, we're going to be glad. That's what we're talking about here. God has taken our sins and placed it upon Christ. We, Our account says we don't owe anything. Therefore, that man that's inside of us don't owe anything to God. That person that's inside of us is perfect it is always obedient because it has obedience laid to its account but the fleshly man all he does is sin therefore that fleshly man will perish away it will die the wages of the sin of this flesh is death and it will die but brethren that man that's inside it's renewed every day. It's it's the same over and over. God ain't going to forgive me of these sins. So everything passes good, but boy, I got to worry about all these going forward. Now, all the ones going forward are just as much freed up as these. <coughs> and so we need sovereign grace so that we can understand God's words, which tells us forgiven. Righteous. But see, <coughs> as we read on here, it says, That command of sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning for the purpose of God, the Son of God, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. And look at verse 10, it says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that she heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And so we see here that this is manifested. Uh, the ones who are born of God and the ones who are born of Satan. Those who are the children of God, those who are the children of Satan, are made manifest in the fact that they have Christ in them, that they have been given these great and precious promises and these uh, blessings of God, these gifts of God, and it manifests that they love God and they love the brethren. 
These men that Jesus was speaking to, they didn't manifest that at all. They didn't manifest it at all. So why do we need God's sovereign grace? It's so that we can know, well, for one, to have the spirit of truth, to perceive the spirit of truth, hear the spirit of truth, understand the words of God and know what the gospel is telling us. The gospel is telling us that we have been freed from the law, from the curse of the law. We have been forgiven of all of our sins and that we have obeyed everything that God has required to be obeyed and it was done in the person of Jesus Christ. And that every sin that we've ever committed has been paid for. You don't owe anything else to God because God has done everything in paying that debt by the death of Jesus Christ. And so the Spirit of God, the truth of God, that the world cannot hear. They can't hear this gospel. So we need sovereign grace so we can hear this gospel. They don't hear it, therefore they continue to do works. They continue to try to earn God's favor. They continue to try to do the things that they think are pleasing this God who is weighing things in the balance of what's good and what's not good. Instead of trusting Christ alone as their salvation. Seeing Christ has done it all. And so we need sovereign grace so that we might know the gospel and believe it. All right, does anybody have any questions? All right. We're going to pick up some more. I don't know how many weeks we'll, we'll work on this thing. Because uh, there's a lot of things in Scripture that teach us why we need sovereign grace. And uh, so we'll uh, we'll pick up with this maybe thought next week unless the Lord leads me in some other direction. I always want to preach what the Lord lays on my heart and follow Him. So uh, we'll, uh, Lord willing, take this up on another day. All right? Anybody? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for your grace and your mercy that you've given us in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the word of God. We thank you for the sovereign grace that you've given us to be able to hear these words, to be taught of the Spirit, to be able to actually repent and believe and to trust in you all those things that we could not do in the flesh, all those things we could never do in our nature in Adam. But, Father, by your grace, You've given us spiritual life to be able to uh, partake of these very things. And Lord, we are grateful for that. So Lord, we pray today that as we leave this place that we will continue to give you honor and praise for all that you've done for us in salvation. And Lord, that you might uh, bring us safely back here another week. Uh, and we are so thankful for Jesus and all that he has done on our behalf. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.